everyone, and welcome to another Bible study here at One Love Live at Love Walk, and I am your host, Lila Winston. I pray that you are well and that God is blessing in your life. I also, uh, in the Word, uh, as you know, we come together to study in the Word of God so that we can practically apply it to our everyday life, and also so that we can discover the purpose of our lives and enact that in the earth. And so, as you guys know, for the past couple of studies, we've actually been looking at priests and kind of living out our purpose day by day um, in the ways in which we interact with others. And um, I think we're gonna take that a little bit further because I think there's some really great information in Proverbs that really kind of uh, speaks to what we've been chatting about um, and having our Bible study about for the past couple of studies. So if you would, uh, grab your Bible and we are going to read in Proverbs chapter 15. We're gonna read from verse one until verse three. So that's Proverbs chapter 15 and we're going to read from verse 1 to verse 3. So I'm going to get started. It says, a soft answer turns away wrath, but grievous words stir up anger. The tongue of the wise uses knowledge aright, but the mouth of fools pours out foolishness. The eyes of the Lord are in every place beholding the evil and the good. So I think this um, was a great uh, text. It's Proverbs chapter 15, verse 1 to 3. If you have an opportunity, I would encourage you to meditate on it for all the wonderful import. It's actually teaching us in this verse that, you know, without even taking too much time, you can already pick up something that will be helpful in your life just by reading those three verses. But I think it underscores some very important points about our life as believers and as we move forward um, about our words and also about the quality of those words, you know? Um, I, think, I think we rarely think about the quality versus the quantity of words. So, you know, um, as someone who is in communications, I'm always thinking about the quality of the words more than the quantity, because I do believe, and this is just me, you may disagree, but I do believe um, if you take your time and you think about the words that you say, um, you can have, it can be much more important or much more impactful than if you just write a whole lot of words or if you speak a whole lot of words um, or if you even shout a whole lot of words. Um, there's this great saying that goes, uh, elevate your argument and not your voice. And I think that's really a critical point that we as believers should do, um, whether you're just a regular believer living among, you know, in the world, or if you are the critical um, evangelist that goes about uh, teaching the gospel to the lost. So you have to remember that your words have power in your life and in others' lives. That's so important. It's not just you, it's the other people around you. Your words are an extension of you, and I think we forget that. But I think if we are wise to look at God, we see that his words were an extension of him, so much so that he could send his word down and it could be Jesus Christ reveal to us the inner life of what it means to be a believer and to be a son of God. So your words are an extension of you. And we learned that how you say things matter as well when we read Proverbs chapter 5 verse 1. It says a soft answer turns away wrath. And that could be soft in terms of the actual thing that you say, you know, verbally, or it could be soft in the tone in which you say it. I think tone is a really big part of speech and you know as a communications professional it's something that we study um, a lot to understand how to communicate with people the best ways to do so um, in some of my journalism classes when i was in college at the university of southern california a lot of times they taught us how to speak 
you know, the ways in which you should say things um, to really kind of um, get the point across better. And so there's so much information in that. Um, if you have an opportunity, I would encourage you to, you know, uh, take a uh, class on acting um, or even just, you know, see what that's like. I took an acting class when I was in college and it was very helpful, not because you want to learn how to act and be um, inauthentic, but you want to understand how words and the tones of those words and how words are said, how they impact and how they and there. So I do want to encourage you to think about your tone, and I know this is especially so for moms and dads who have crazy kids, and I know your kids are not always going to do the right thing, and sometimes you are going to yell, and I don't think there is an individual out there who hasn't had a parent that didn't raise their voice, but I do want you to think about it when you are speaking with your children. So how you say things matter. And it not only influences the wrath in others, but the wrath in you. And that's something that I've noted. Um, if I respond in a particular kind of way, it actually affects me. I often feel that way too. So the importance of wisdom in a reply and in an answer and how you verbally interact with others is a critical part of how you communicate as an individual. I want to show you something in Proverbs chapter 15, verse 7, and I think Proverbs 15 is great when it comes to communication, and you know I'm going to find this, you know, as a communications professional, I'm going to find this in the Bible, so check out Proverbs chapter 15, it has a lot of conversation about the lips of the wise, about what to say, about speech, and we're going to read Proverbs chapter 15, verse 7, because I think it offers us something very important here, it says, the lips of the wise disperse knowledge, but the heart of the foolish does not sow. I think that's so important to understand, right? Speech from wise people will make you wiser. It'll make you smart, <laughs> okay? It says the wise disperse knowledge, things that you should know. They're always informing you. They're telling you something. That's why I say wise people make great advisors, because not only can they give you strategy on what to do and how to do it, they can also give you knowledge that you didn't know. I mean, and I feel that, you know, in my profession, you know, that's part of what we do is tell people about things that maybe they didn't know about. It helps them to make better decisions. And sometimes, my friends, it saves lives. So I think it's really important to understand that even in the Bible, before we even came up with any of these professions or ideas or we started studying communications, the wisest men in the world knew this. God gave that wisdom to Solomon, and so he has provided it here for us, and you, whether you take a communications class or not, whether you understand any of the science of it, you can actually be just as smart by reading the Word of God and getting the wisdom that is gleaned from it. So speech from wise people will actually make you smarter, okay? And this is what wise friends and counselors do. They're so critical in your life, honestly. You know, they don't just help you in terms of moving ahead in a career or in some other endeavor. They help you in an internal way, right? They can help you in an internal way that makes your life better. And those who embark on any expedition or project, project should always advise not only experts, but wise people to determine the way to go. And yes, I know an expert is great, but wise people can give you uh, insight in that maybe someone who's just a technical expert can only give you so much technical knowledge. A wise person might, you know, be able to show you how to do it. And so I want to encourage you, you might have the gift of wisdom. Um, 
but I want to encourage you to check out the uh, Bible study. It's actually a series called Talents. And one of the talents, or it's one of the gifts of the Spirit that God gave, and that is wisdom. So some people have extraordinary wisdom that makes them amazing. Daniel was one of those people who had extraordinary wisdom. Joseph had extraordinary wisdom. And people with this kind of gift, they make great advisors. They make great um, you know, people who can give you sort of an inside-in, counselors, okay? So wise people consider more, okay, about what is before them, right? They also consider the impact of their speech, understanding, and the possible and probable outcomes, not only their own actions, but that of others. So it's important when we think about someone who's wise, they're not just evaluating their own behavior, and what might happen because of it, they're evaluating others. And so, according to the scripture, foolish people do not share or disperse knowledge. It is why silence of, uh, of good can be seen as, um, silence can actually be seen as a good thing for many, right? Um, and I think sometimes silencing people is a really important thing because if people are silly or they're foolish or they don't understand things, it's easy to trick them. You know, it's easy to tell a child something silly <laughs> and they'll believe you because they don't know, right? And so that is what we want to do. If you are going to be wise, if you want to be wise in the way that God wants you to be, He wants you to share and disperse knowledge, right? Those who censor knowledge or withhold it are sort of behaving in ways that are foolish too. Now, when you really think about this, this takes some thinking about because you might think it is a good thing, but actually it's not. And that's actually what the Bible says. It's not. It's actually behaving in a foolish way. And so while there are times for everything under the sun, generally people can handle the truth. And I think that's something that we we don't actually believe, but I believe people can handle the truth. Sometimes it's how you tell them that really matters. I mean, I know there are people out there, and I know sometimes culturally we might feel it's okay to be blunt with people or just, I'm just telling it like it is, you know how the saying goes. But I think you need to be um, kind and gentle about how you tell people the truth. If someone's wearing something that is unflattering, you don't have to walk up to them and say, that looks hideous. <laughs> you can say it in a way that helps them, edifies them, helps them to do better. So mankind forgets that the presentation of truth in words is almost as equally important as what is being said. We actually see that in Proverbs chapter 15, verse 1 in our anchor text. So the Lord is beholding the good that we do to everyone. So if today we're speaking peace to our neighbor, but we forget to be considerate of our spouse, we've not deceived God. We must endeavor to root out those double standards in our heart. Because that's what it is, sort of a double standard in your heart. You feel like you have to be really respectful and kind to your boss, but you can just say anything to your wife, right? That's a double standard. And that is what God's word is about, cleaning us of the impurities and contradictions in our own walk. And yes, your talk is part of your walk. And this comes if we are careful to examine the integrity of our vertical, God-facing relations and our horizontal, people-facing relations. You know, they always say, speak life, speak life, but that really does matter. You know, you can't just give psalms and praise to God, but just say any old thing to your kids or any old thing to your spouse or uh, the people in your life, your coworkers. Dare to get real with yourself and others, especially if you're a parent or a spouse. Because remember, as your children or your spouse, they are the ones who are sort of on the front end of your communication style. And so it's important to ask yourself, 
okay, how am I communicating? And ask them, be honest, ask them how they're communicating. You know, are you sharp? Are you hurtful? Are you acerbic? Are you depreciating or deprecating? You know, don't ask yourself or how you feel about it. I think this is really important, <laughs> you know, because sometimes some people feel like they're always right. And if you ask yourself, yeah, you are always right, because why would you ever say that you were wrong? But I think it's really important to ask others because how we perceive things may not be the same as how other people perceive them. So ask how those around you feel and watch their reactions and responses when you speak. And I have, you know, uh, been around people who had truly nasty tongues and often they have a very verbally abusive soundtrack in their own head. And that's really interesting. You know, when you see someone and you're, and I've noticed this before, I noticed someone that has, you know, sort of a, a verbally abusive kind of uh, way of speaking or whatnot, they have an abusive soundtrack in their head and how they speak to themselves or, you know, how they have a level of repressed or latent anger that kind of feels a level of release when it is released in the act of cursing or abusive speech. And I think that's really something we have to be honest with ourselves about. A lot of times that comes from certain feelings that we're having, emotions, you know, soundtracks that we picked up when we were children, you know, what we heard our parents say, right? And so we will not always say what people want, and that's fine. And sometimes our words will hurt, even if when we are speaking truth, it is for someone's benefit. But we must diligently try to avoid the words that do not edify, right? That tend to poison our environments and the people around us. And I find people who are gifted in speech or blessed by God to be a fruitful mouthpiece for God are often challenged in this area. And I know this isn't a hard, fast rule, it's just in my experience. You know, people who have something to say, who have a way of speaking, who bless people through speech, sometimes those people kind of wrestle, you know, with uh, certain kinds of speech because they're so good at it. And I think also um, they're challenged in this area because I think the wicked one wants to create a contradiction in their lives that defeats their very powerful message and their very powerful testimony for God. So I want us to think about when we speak, about the words that we say, whether we're speaking soft words or harder words, that we bring delight, right? Let's look at what Proverbs chapter 15, verse 8 says. I think this is so interesting. It says, The sacrifice of the wicked is an abomination to the Lord, but the prayer of the upright is his delight. So God can even delight in your prayers. It is an essential to pray. But as an upright man, you know that God regards your speech toward him with delight. Isn't that awesome? Speech can bring delight or distaste or even hurt. And we all know this because we're humans, right? Who hasn't been hurt by a, uh, a word or uh, something that has been said or something they overheard? So I also want you to note, back in our anchor text, in Proverbs chapter 15, verse 2, it says wise people know how to use knowledge in the right way. And I think this is a big deal when we talk about speech and what we say. The things you know, you want to use it in a right way. And this implies that knowledge can be used in a bad or unrighteous way. And I just wanted to point that out. And we know this, and we learn this in the scriptures. If you want to know if someone is wise, if you want to know if they're a fool or even an enemy, Offer them knowledge about something and see how they use it. I think this is a great way to find out 
And generally, people who are wise, they're going to use that knowledge that they learn about you, about someone else, they're going to use that in a righteous way. Maybe if they learn an idiosyncrasy of yours, they'll try to accommodate you in some kind of way. They're using knowledge in a righteous way. And then, of course, maybe a foolish person will likely not use it at all. They might just say, oh, okay, and just keep on moving. Um, but a wicked man, he might use it to try to oppress you, to manipulate you, or to hurt you. And these are ways we can determine things that are in a person's heart, right? You can learn a lot about a person by how they use knowledge. And the Bible clearly tells us how we can identify a wise man. He uses knowledge in the right way that does not offend God or men. And I want to point something out. We're going to move out of Proverbs chapter 15, and I thought this was really, you know, relevant, so I wanted to add it in. And in Proverbs chapter 19, verse 8, it says, He that gets wisdom loves his own soul, and he that keeps understanding shall find good. Think about that. That's just so beautiful. That's so powerful. Really, like if you meditate on that, that could be revolutionary when you think about it. Because if you get wisdom, if you're someone who really wants to be wise, it means you love your own soul. You love that place where you can get peace, where you can be at rest, where you can learn things, where you can grow. That is huge. And then it says, he that keeps understanding shall find good. So the more you understand about a thing, about a person, about your spouse, about your job, about, you know, your discipline, you will find good. Wisdom through prudence protects a man's soul from foolish errands, from pointless strife, from wicked men, and even traps, as well as poor decision making. I want to show you something in Ezekiel chapter 33 verse 1, and I think it really goes to the point that we're talking about and how we speak and the wisdom we use to kind of, you know, um, move through the world and how that sort of goes back to us being priests. Let's look at Ezekiel chapter 33. We're going to read verse 1 until verse 7. It says, Again the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, speak to the children of thy people, and say unto them, When I bring the sword upon a land, if the people of the land take a man of their coast and set him for their watchman, if when he sees the sword come upon the land, he blows the trumpet and warns the people, then whosoever hears the sound of the trumpet and takes not warning, if the sword come and take him away, his blood shall be upon his own head. And he heard the sound of the trumpet and took not warning, his blood shall be upon him. But he that takes warning shall deliver his soul. But... If the watchman sees the sword come and blows not the trumpet, and the people not be warned, if the sword come and take any person from among them, he is taken away in his iniquity. But his blood will I require at the watchman's hand. So you, O son of man, I have set you a watchman unto the house of Israel. Therefore thou shalt hear the word of my mouth, and warn them from me. And I think this is really huge when you think about it, this idea of being a watchman. The Bible teaches us to watch as well as pray. Talking about seeing with the eyes, right? Perceiving with the eyes, and then we're talking about praying, which make, is making a vocal or verbal or communicative petition to God. So there is this marriage, this, um, this tie between speech and hearing, right? Like, in order to answer someone good, in order to have a good conversation, you have to be someone who listens. And you have to be someone 
also who sees and understands, right? And so we have a mandate to warn people of coming judgment. And that's really important about judgment that's in the here and now, and also the punishment of sin. When we talk about saving one's eternal soul, sin is a mistake and a miscalculation that brings death to the soul. And it is speech that we should share in love, in our words to those that we care about and those that are just passing by, right? Like you want to save the people you love, but I also want you to think about the people that maybe you don't, and not in a malicious sort of way, they're just people, right? You want to share the word. Good speech isn't always soft, but it always edifies and is kind. I think that's really important. If you warn me not to step someplace so that I don't fall, you might warn me in a sharp way, but you saved my life so I didn't step and fall. And that is what I want to encourage you to understand. And then I want to point you to something that really sort of guides, uh, should guide your speech. It's something that I try to do and I pray for daily. And that's found in Proverbs chapter 31, verse 26. It says, she opens her mouth with wisdom and in her tongue is the law of kindness. Although this is talking about the woman of valor, it's a lesson that one can be powerful, truly powerful, because if you read about this woman, she was a businesswoman, she had a family, she was taking care of all of these things. You can be strong, but you can also be kind, right? She could command strength, she was diligent, she was also kind in speech. And I don't want you to just think this is for women. No, please, I don't want you to think that. Kindness is a rule for all of us. If you want to be useful, if you want to be, um, if you want people to hear you, think about using kindness. There's nobody that hates kindness, right? Just like nobody truly hates love. So law is a rule. It is a boundary. And so it tells us that she has the law of kindness on her tongue. So she has a boundary on what she will and will not say. And I can tell you there have been relationships, friendships, um, marriages, businesses, uh, wars, all of that caused because of what we say. So I want to encourage you to think about having the law of kindness on your tongue always. And as we have looked at wisdom, we are reminded in Proverbs chapter 16, verse 17, that wisdom preserves the soul. We learned that in an earlier Bible study. We also learned in Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 6, that keeping God's statutes and judgments is the definition of wisdom and understanding. So when we're talking about that, you can begin your journey into wisdom, your journey into wise speech, just by keeping God's commands. Look at what it says in Proverbs chapter 16, verse 17. It says, The highway of the upright is to depart from evil. He that keeps his way preserves his soul. So I want to always prove it. If I say it, guys, I want to provide you with a scripture to validate it and show you where it is in the Bible. Let's look again at Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 6. It says, Keep therefore and do them, for this is your wisdom and your understanding in the sight of the nations, which shall hear all these statutes and say, Surely, this great nation is a wise and understanding people. That's what God's judgments and his commands do. Because remember, that's him. That is who he is. His law is who he is. He is his law, and his law 
is love. So we hold God's judgments and statutes and have a moral responsibility to share that with a dying world. And how they choose to respond, of course, is their own affair. So don't beat yourself up and don't get upset. And, you know, when everything, if they don't hear you, you've done your part. Because remember, our speech can both save lives and heal. And as we read in Ezekiel, that we are that watchman on the wall. We are priests who are watching to tell people about what may be happening to their soul. So every man who hears the trumpet of the gospel of righteousness has a responsibility to his own soul to act. The responsibility to act to save your own soul forever remains your own, as we see in Ezekiel chapter 33, verse, verse 4. We now see because of access to God's judgments and statutes, we have a mandate now to be watchmen for the world, to warn of the impending danger to come. We also have a responsibility to the body of Christ or the ecclesia, the called out ones, to do the same. We are priests and we are acting on behalf of this humanity in one of the greatest acts of giving and self-sacrifice that you can do. We do this with the gift of our mouth, the gift of our speech, of our kindness, and of our hope in the one who will save us. God has made us a self-sustained, God-powered entity. It is why the early apostles called the called out ones or the ecclesia a body. A body is the most efficient organism on earth. It enables ruachs like us to operate in the physical world. And by mere washing and eating, the human body takes care of itself on autopilot. It breathes, its heart beats, it grows without your willfully deciding to do anything. We are to be the same when it comes to the needs of the body of Christ. We see someone who needs encouragement, we see someone who needs help, we see someone who needs support or guidance, and we just do it. We just do it. We are the watchmen on the wall, and we watch not only for our own souls, but the souls of others. We act without hesitation in the dispensation of our gifts. Can you encourage? Can you teach? Can you warn? Hey, maybe can you evangelize? Oh, watchmen on the wall, watch also for the souls of your brothers and sisters in Christ. Watch also for the lost returning home. And may you be blessed in all you do and all you say. Amen. resources or 
uh, services or products that you think would be edifying to the body of Christ, even if you also have a podcast and you'd like to advertise that here, I would be happy to share that with listeners. You can reach out to me, check out the link in the description, and you can also contact me um, at the link below. There's a little contact section and you can leave me a message. So thanks so much. Don't forget to follow me on social media and I I'm at twitter.com forward slash one love live that's o-n-e-l-u-b-l-i-v-e thanks so much god bless and I look forward to hearing from you bye